Hello everyone, welcome to the Hillfields Church Podcast where we talk about Jesus, how much we love him and what he's doing in our church. Here's this week's message. We pray it blesses you, but most importantly, that it changes you. Check it out. Praise God. So you've only got me for a couple of weeks, so, you know, I don't know who's praying, but it's coming true, you know. Amen. If you've got a Bible, go to Exodus um, chapter 1, verse 8. Who loves the Word of God? I love the Word of God. Do you know what I love? I love people that love the Word of God. Yeah. Because, because um, if you're doing a, a roll up here, I've been, I've, been, um, I've been in church a long time, and I've been up here a, a few times, and I've been through different seasons, different cycles. Um, Ian will tell you this, and others will tell you this. And sometimes you can say some of the best stuff, because we didn't write it, thank God, yeah? God wrote the Bible, it's God's word, and it's full of amazing things, isn't it? Isn't it? Like, isn't it? Isn't it incredible? Has anyone picked it up lately and just been like, I was reading some text from like 4,000 years ago, and it spoke to me today, yeah? Yeah? How amazing is the word of God? It's incredible. It's it's. it's, it's is life-changing and it continues to work in us. It's, it's, it's not something that you just know it and that's it. Like I've read the Bible a hundred times. People read the Bible hundreds of times back to front to front to back, back to front, and um, and they still don't know much. It doesn't mean anything. The, 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 the knowledge doesn't mean anything. It's it's who you know. So someone preached about that last week. It's who you know, and when he comes into your life, the word comes alive. So what I love is the fact that I get to preach to people that amen and, 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 and receive it and, and they're hungry for wanting to know more. And not only that, hungry to change, hungry to let the word of God change who they are. That's what the word should be doing. And um, I'm going to make a little bit of a confession, but sometimes I don't pick up the Bible as much as I should. I know, it's bad, isn't it? The only reason you're all not judging me is because you do the same thing. But the truth is, do you know why I don't pick up the word as much as I should? It's because I know what's in it. And if I pick it up, I know that God's going to speak to me. And sometimes I don't want him to speak to me. Yeah, sometimes I don't want to hear it. Someone was sharing about one of the people that preached recently. They're like, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. Why did they bring that? I think we should not have them again speaking. Like... You know, it's because the word gets spoken and it changes us. It challenges us. It does something in us. It's what the Bible does. So, um, yeah, if we read it more with intention to let it do a work in us, man, we would be incredible people for the Lord. So we've got some homework to do, me included. Okay, we're going to read from Exodus 1 verse 8. Just to give you a bit of a backstory, Joseph, you know, the Technicolor Dreamcoat guy, that's how some of you might know him, yeah? Okay, um, Joseph, um, he gets sold by his brothers and he ends up going to Egypt. Um, there's lots of miracles, God gets him there and eventually he becomes like prime minister of Egypt, okay? And, and God's hand is upon him and he uses Joseph through Egypt to save the world, okay? Basically, that's like a really short version of that story. A few years have gone on. And Egypt has now forgotten um, what Israel, what the people of Israel, what Joseph did. And so um, it's starting to realize that all these people from Israel are in their land. And they're starting to realize that they're growing in number and they're 
blessed and things are going on. So they start to look at how they can change that situation. So here we are. Verse 8. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, look, the people of the children of Israel are more more, um, and mightier than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And it happened in the event of war that they would also join our enemies and fight against us. And so go up out of the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh supply cities, um, Pithom and uh, Ramses. And the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were in dread of the children of Israel. So the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor. And they made their lives a bitter and a hard bondage in mortar, in brick, and in all manner of service in the field. All their service in which they made them serve was with rigor. And the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, to whom the name of one was um, Shipra, and the name of the other Pua. And he said, when you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stools, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, then they shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them. They saved the male children alive. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this thing and saved the male children alive? And the midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are lively and give birth before the midwives can come to them. Therefore God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very mighty. And so it was... Because the midwives feared God, that he provided households for them. Verse 22. So Pharaoh commanded all the people, saying, Every son who is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. So Israel, through Joseph, had made a home in Egypt. God, through Joseph, had rescued uh, the whole world, brought blessings to Egypt, yeah? But Egypt had forgotten. They'd forgotten that actually the power that they even had, the, the fact that they were even really in existence, because had Joseph not come into their life, they would have just suffered the famine the same as everyone else. But it was through the wisdom of God and through the wisdom of God through Joseph that they were able to put in a plan that was not only going to rescue Egypt but rescue the world. But obviously over time, things change. And suddenly they grew great in power. They became, uh, well, we know Egypt's, Egyptians, they became like gods on the earth. And then they looked at the people who are responsible, God's people who are responsible for them even having the power that they have, and they ended up seeing them as a threat. You need to know something about who you are in Christ. If you are in Christ... Not only are you a new creation, but the Holy Spirit lives in you. The Word of God talks about the fact that when, we, when He inhabits us and when He's within us, that actually um, we start taking territory where we walk. We take the light into the darkness. People call this uh, being an apostle. You are all apostles. I dub thee all apostles, Okay. Just anyone else you hear calling themselves apostle off their own back, 
just um, run away from those types of people. But you are an apostle of the Lord. An apostle isn't this person that just is leading and doing things all the time. It's someone that takes the power of God, the presence of God, and, and takes it into a territory, into a place, into a community, into a workplace. And so where you go, every step you take, every... Uh, sorry, it's turning into a sting song then. Better stop. <laughs> well, who's the other one? Who redid it? Because that might be a bit more relevant. Twelfth Daddy, that's it, yeah. P. Diddy, or whatever it is. P. Diddy, what is he now? P. P. D. Just call him P now. He changes it. Um, but everywhere you go, if you're in Christ and you're honoring God with your, your word, your actions, you're going to change things. Things are going to change. And I'm, I'm not saying, like, I don't believe in prosperity gospel whatsoever. But what I want to say to you is that, do you know that some places can be blessed because you are there? Things will change. Situations will change. Churches that honor God, do you know the crime rate goes down? Do you know how beneficial that is to the police department? And to the broken windows that used to happen and the money that was going out, the, the council. You see, where Christians stand for God, where the light shines, darkness cannot prevail. So where you are, you will bless you, you will, God will bless you, and in blessing you, he will bless those around you, even if they aren't even people that acknowledge God. And people will feed off of that blessing. They'll take it for a while, and then they'll forget where they are is because of God. This will happen. It will happen to everyone in this room. People will be blessed because of your following of Christ. They won't acknowledge God, but they will be blessed too. And then they will discard you. It's a sad part of life. It's a real part of life though. Anyone ever thought that when you became a Christian, everything was just going to be like, let's surf, let's surf this wave home. Yeah, let's go. And the truth is, you're going you're gonna to wipe out. Yeah? You're going to come off the board. You're going to have to then get back on it, paddle back out again. Yeah? I don't know anything about surfing, but I've watched the movie. And um, this is what they do. And, and you're going to have to get back on it again. And you have to go again. And you have to go again. And you surf waves. And you, do, you see amazing things happen in seasons with God. And then life comes. We are not immune as Christians to life. Life will hit hard. We face the same battles as anyone that doesn't know Jesus. And this is the reality that even when God is using you, it's such an injustice. Is it not if someone else is blessed because of your existence and then they want to discard you for it? What an injustice that is. But the truth is, the injustice really is, is that we're blessed in the first place. Because we don't deserve it. By grace, by the mercy of God, we have received this blessing. This is the other thing that can happen is that people, um, when you're in a dark place in life, they're almost happier for you than they are now. Anyone starting to realize some of that now? Realizing some of that truth that, that actually people were happier when I was miserable because it made them happier 
about who they were. Amen? Sometimes people, and this is just sad, it's just part of life, like I said, but sometimes people are happier if, they, if you need them. But when you don't need them anymore, when you can rely on God, I mean, isn't it nuts that some of you, maybe all of us, had more friends and were more popular when you were addicted to drugs, sleeping around, hurting people, being abusive to yourself or being abusive to others, that that gained you more popularity than actually getting clean, changing. You go to church now, right, okay, unfriend. This is just the reality of following Jesus, and Jesus does talk about this, that actually you're not going to be popular for your faith. You're not going to fit in with the majority of the crowd of this world, and we're not going to fit in with the world at all. But sometimes we might just need a reminder, hang on a minute, where, where are these people now? Why are they not celebrating my victories? Why were they only celebrating my defeats? This is how the enemy can work. This is how life can work. And if we understand who we are in Christ, and we can understand what's going on, that actually when the light switches on, when um, things, when God comes into our life, it actually brings lightness, light into a dark situation. It shines the light into the dark. And that dark that we didn't necessarily acknowledge or know because we once lived in it, we can now see much more clearly. And it's not that these people are your enemy. These people are just as lost as you were. It's just the realization that they're just not for you. And sometimes, like Jesus says, you just need to dust your feet off and move on. People were using, like the Egyptians, were using the Israelites for their own benefit, but when they realized that the Israelites were gonna start gaining, and they were, and they were getting more blessed, and more was going on, they didn't like that anymore. And maybe you've had to suffer that already in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you've realized that people that said they would be there are not there anymore. People that were feeding off of the blessings that you were in their life, their, their types of blessings, are now um, discarding you because you're doing really well. Dust your feet off and move on. Chapter 2. And a man of the house of Levi went and took as a wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it in asphalt and pitch, put a child in it, laid it in the reeds and the riverbank. And his sister stood afar off to know that what would be done with him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe in the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you? And the Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the maiden went, called the child's mother, the Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take the child away and nurse him for me and I will give you your wages. So the woman took 
the child and nursed him, and the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And so she called his name Moses, saying, because I drew him out of the water. Okay, look at this. In the midst of tragedy, tragedy, okay, in the midst of tragedy, and in the midst of chaos, Moses is born. In the midst of absolute chaos, violence, he's born into, Moses is born, rescued, and fostered by the very people that were seeking to kill him. Do not underestimate what God can do. The message title today is called Starting Point. This is one of Moses' starting points. He has no choice. He's being born. He can't choose that one, yeah? He's born into a crazy situation. People are seeking to murder him, and he's not even breathed yet. How crazy is that? He's not even in the world yet. But the minute he's going to be born, he's already sentenced to death. What's he done wrong? Nothing. He hasn't done anything yet. He hasn't done anything to hurt anyone or, or cause offense to anyone. He hasn't broken any laws, but he's being born into violence. I don't know what your starting point was. Maybe yours is a bit like Moses. Maybe you were born into the chaos, into the crazy. You didn't have a choice. You're born into it. Maybe you were born into violence. Maybe you were born into a situation where the family that were meant to take care of you didn't take care of you, you ended up getting fostered. Maybe you were born into a situation and, that, and those people didn't treat you very well, maybe. Maybe you were born into a situation where you're around addiction and that was just because that happened, that's what you ended up in. Maybe you were, were born into situation where the odds were stacked against you just like Moses I mean the, the odds are pretty much stacked against him can you see that like he's sentenced to death before he's even born and he's meant to die his mum rescues him which I'm sure a lot of Hebrew women probably try to rescue their children and, and and the worst possible thing happens Pharaoh's daughter the one who sentenced, you know, the Pharaoh who sentenced them to death, his very daughter finds Moses. You think, well, that's that then. I, won't, I don't want to go too much into the story, but if you've read, if you've read, listened to what I was reading, it's incredible because <laughs> Moses' mum sends him out to just rescue him and to save him. He ends up in the palace of the Pharaoh. The Pharaoh's daughter finds him pulls him out and then says, go and find a Hebrew. He, she's meant to kill him. She's meant to give him to her father and say, I found one and I found another one and get rid of him. And she has compassion. God moves in this situation. It's incredible. But even more amazing, Pharaoh's daughter ends up um, saying, find a Hebrew woman to take care of him. And who is it? This is Moses' mom. So Moses' mom, by giving away his, her child to rescue him, ends up bringing being able to bring him up for the early part of his years. How incredible is that? Do you see what God can do? 
Even when the odds are stacked against you, look what God can do. If God is for you, who can be against you? So uh, who's breathing right now? Yeah? You made it. Well done. Some people didn't put their hand up, so I'm a bit worried. Could we just check? Um, I'll just check. Who's breathing right now? Okay, good. I thought we were going to have to get some CPR going or something. Okay, I was like, wow, they're really good at sitting there really still. And I thought, oh, they're dead. That's what's happened. Okay, brilliant, right. We're breathing. You're alive. Yeah, you're here against the odds. I don't know how you came in. I don't know what your starting point was. But if you look at Moses's, there'll be some of you here that says, yeah, mine was similar. I wasn't, I didn't have a choice what I was born into. I had a rough time of it. Some of you may have had a really blessed uh, life. You may have come into an amazing family and been brought up in an incredible way and praise God for that. But some people here, your starting point was here. Your starting point of where it started to go wrong was here. Your starting point of why you ended up in some of the struggles you are in is here. It's at the point when you came into the world. Maybe you're struggling today to believe that you can be used by God because you've been told your whole life you cannot be worthy of being used or being, uh, doing anything because of how you started in life. There are people that are born into council estates and they're already dubbed uh, a certain type of person, a certain type of education, a certain type of, 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 of um, future is there. That's it. You're just born here. This is your future. That's it. There's no, no one gets out of here. This is it. This is where you will be. Maybe that's what, you were, that's what happened for you. Maybe you were born into a, into a certain area and everyone said, well, that, unfortunately, you were born in Hillfields. And uh, really sorry, kid. This is not going to, this is the way it is. This is how life is. Maybe you were born in some other area um, around the country. And basically by being born there, someone had already said, that's it for you. But who gets to say that? Who gets to say that? Who gets to have that much power over us? What's your starting point? Maybe it's there. Maybe your starting point is how it started. Verse 11. Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked, it, looked this way and that way. And when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian, hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to the one who did wrong, why are you striking your companion? And, he, and they said, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. And when Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters. And they came and drew water. And they filled the, the troughs to water their father flo- of their father's flock. Then the shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses stood up, helped them, and watered the flock. And when they came to Ruel, their father um, the father, he said, how is it that you have come so soon today? And they said, an Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds. And he also drew enough water for us to water the flock. And he said to his daughters, and where is he? Why is it that you have left this man? Call him that he may eat bread. Then Moses was content to live with the man. And he gave um, Zipporah, his daughter, to Moses. And she bore him a son. And called his name Gershom. And he said, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. 
Even in your mistakes, God will bless you. Even in your mess, God will bless you. Isn't it mental that you guys are married for one year? Hey, how's it going? <laughs> one year today. How did you guys meet? Through Tony. Through Tony. Was you in a mess? I know you was. Yeah, I was definitely in a mess. And I know you was. Yeah. In your mess. In your mess. I don't want to go on about it too much, but it was messy. Okay. In your mess, God can bless, yeah? In your mess. Like, if you know Sam, if you know Sam, and a lot of us do, and it's a long book if she ever brings it out, okay? But if you know Sam, you know how hard it got for her, how dark of a place it got. But in that darkness, and if you listen to Vinny, who didn't even really know God at that point, knew of God but didn't know God at that point, he comes through a different door and Moses meets Zipporah. Moses was a murderer. Murder, Moses was running. Moses was in a mess. And yet in the chaos, in the crazy, and somehow in this place, oh look, and there's a nice, that's the best on her sleep. Look at that. Look at the blessing. Look what God can do. Isn't that incredible? Even in your mess, one year married today, one year married today, amen, you can woo that, okay? But one year married today, but the truth is, in the chaos, in the crazy, in the mistakes, in, in, in the things where we think, I'm just, is there any way out of this? What is my future, God? Even in a meeting that maybe you're with other addicts in, thinking, how did I get here? You could be right next to your husband or your future husband in those moments. Don't discount what God can do. Look what God can do. Marriage is not easy, is it? No. Just remember where you started. Remember where you've come from. Remember how it began. Remember the blessing. Praise God for what he's doing. But he can take our mess. He can take our mistakes. And he can still bless us them in. This is, this is the God that we serve. Do you know this God? I know this God because I, I can mess up quite a lot, all right? And God doesn't stop blessing me. He doesn't stop having forgiveness over me. He doesn't stop having mercy on me. And he doesn't stop having his hand of goodness. He's a good father, and I don't deserve it. But he still blesses me. Moses is running and he's hiding. Isn't it amazing how God can make us content in the chaos? That's what it says in scripture. It says that Moses was content. He just murdered a man, buried him in the sand, found out his foster dad wanted to kill him, and he runs into the desert to hide. And God brings him peace in the crazy.
in the chaos. Jesus is really good at calming storms. You know this? It's like one of his specialities. He can calm the storm in your life, in your mind. He can calm it. You can be content even though the storm is all around you. You can say, well, Jesus is in the boat. It's all good. Perhaps this is your starting point. Maybe it's not about how you were born and how it started right at the beginning, but maybe your starting point, the point where you look at is where you made the mistakes. Maybe your point is, yeah, I can't be used by God because of what I've done. You don't know what I've done. You don't know the mistakes I've made. You don't know how much I've let God down. You don't know how much I've let myself down, my family down. You don't know the things I did I shouldn't have done. Well, God does. But maybe this is your starting point. Maybe the point where you struggle to believe that God could possibly use you is not just where you were born, but maybe it's where you made the mistakes. And now you're sat there saying, oh, how could God use someone like me? You don't know what I've done. Verse 23, now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died and then the children of Israel groaned because of their bondage and they cried out and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groanings and God remembered his covenant with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob and God looked upon the children of Israel and acknowledged them. So the situation got worse. Moses runs away, and the situation gets worse, and they're brought into more bondage and more slavery, and they cry out to God, and God hears their groaning, and he remembers them. Now, if you flip, flip forward to Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, basically, um, Moses is now in, he's just hanging out with the sheep, and he's happy, he's content with his life, he's married, and, um, and then God shows up. Um, talking to him through a burning bush. and verse 7, it says this. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and, good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Pezzarites and the Hivites, Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Okay, get this. Are you ready to get it? No, you're not. Okay. Are you ready to get it? Yeah. yeah. Okay, you ready to get it at the back? Two people at the back, I see you nodding. Okay, get this. Israel was under oppression, yeah? Basically, children were being murdered, yeah? So, and he was meant to be one of them. So Moses, in the midst of oppression, was born. He was born into violence and hate. He was born into a situation where the odds were stacked against him, yeah? And God made a way for him. So if you're here today, right now, 
There are so many different things that could have happened that you wouldn't be here today right now. But you are. So you have beat the odds, okay? Then Moses, he goes on and he kills someone and he runs for his life, okay? He makes a massive mistake and through fear he runs away and he hides. And in the midst of that situation, um, the situation got worse for Israel. God blesses him. He has peace. He has contentment. He meets and he marries his wife in the crazy, in the chaos. Yeah, he is blessed. In the meantime, Israel is still suffering and is suffering even more now. So God hears their cries. Who's he going to call? That was my Ghostbusters thing, but okay. It is Moses. It is Moses. He uses burning bush telecoms. Yeah, not EE or Vodafone. Didn't have them back then. He uses burning bush telecoms. Yeah, he comes to him and he speaks to Moses. He says, Moses, Moses, I hear the cries of my people. Are you going to answer the call? He called Moses. Now, we just read the story over and over again and we think, yeah, yeah, I called Moses. Cool. Shut up. Get on with it. I want to go home. Yeah? He called Moses. Moses, who, who, who before this was born against the odds in the midst of, of violence happening to his people. He was born into violence. He shouldn't have made it, but he did. Then he ran because of the mistakes he made and he hid. And he shouldn't have, he shouldn't have been blessed. He should have been punished. Instead, he's blessed. He, he shouldn't have even been in the position to even answer the call to see the bush. Because he should have died at birth or he should have paid the price for his sin, for his mistakes. But instead, he's having a conversation with God. God called Moses. Moses who was born against the odds. Were you born against the odds? Were you born against the odds? Were you born into situations that you shouldn't have survived? Or have you made such big mistakes that you've had to run and hide? When were you born? Somebody, just give me a date. What year? Sorry about that. I just shouldn't have asked you a woman. I shouldn't have asked you what year. But so, 31st of July, 1988. 31st of July, 1988. Karina is born. 31st of July, 1988. Karina is born. Now, Karina is born into. I don't know her past. I don't know what she was born into. You can go and speak to her about that if you want. But I'm pretty sure there's some moments there where it was against the odds. Okay, and there's things that have probably happened to you in your life, in your past, that should have got you to be something else and somewhere else. And maybe we did go down that path sometimes. Maybe those things happen. But you're here today, not only against the odds, but you're here today with a plan and a purpose that God has for you that started at 31st of July, 1988. You were born and no one thought anything of it. But God did. God did. God knew. God knew that Karina, 
at some point was going to find Jesus. And at some point was not only going to find Jesus, but God was going to use her, call her, and lead her to bring other people to the Lord. This is what God can do. Give me someone else's birthday. Someone else, go on. August 1947. You managed to get away with the war then. That's good. Okay. August 19... What was the, what was the date? 4th of August 1947. <laughs> Just trying to think. Yeah. I'm not trying to add up the hour, hour, the, 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 the hour, the age, but probably I got about 106, is that right? Okay. So nearly 106 years ago, Julia was born. No, it's not that long. But forget everything else you've done in between, and we know God's done some great things in your life. Oh, look, who's sat next to you? Who's that? Who are you? Who's that person there? What's your name? Elise, what about if you were born on that day for just that moment where you two encountered Elise? You see, what's impossible for God? Nothing is impossible for God. And I know Terry and Julie, they didn't start off following Jesus. They didn't start going, they didn't start going to, to church. They, they found Jesus a little bit later on in life. 36. 36 years of not acknowledging God, but God still had mercy just like he did with Moses. Isn't that amazing? What God can do. Look, how, look at what God can do. Look at what God can do. See, if we can start to grasp it, the whole point of this message is for you guys to start understanding that your starting point is not the definitive point. It's not the point that should stop you from being anything in Jesus. Because for Julia, 70 or so years later, God is still using her. God is using her. God is, God is saying on this day, yeah, you came into the world and maybe against the odds and you've had to battle through some odds along the way and you've made mistakes and you've ran and hid and, and even though you've done that, I still blessed you in it. But I have not done with you yet. I haven't finished with you. There's still plans and purposes I have for you till the day you die. Amen. What was that? He was 80, yeah. Is that right? Yeah, is that right? 40, 40, and 40. Is that right? Three 40s? Yeah. So if you're not 80 yet, you've still got time. You also, yeah. Look what God can do. I was born in 17 for the 7th, 1979. You missed my birthday. It's okay. Someone actually gave me sweets today for my birthday. That was nearly a month ago. Thank you. Okay. Um, that's the year I was born, 1979. The thing is, is that when we're, no matter what people might say over who you are, and what you are, or where you were, or whatever, it just shouldn't be the thing that defines who you are today. Unfortunately, it is. But who would have thought some kid, born in 1979, out of wedlock, and... Um, you know, two people getting together because they had to get married, I guess, and they didn't really want to be married. All these kind of things happening that God could use somebody like me decades later to reach people. What's that? All right, I'll get there. Why are you talking? 
and married your daughter. <laughs> Actually, I've got something else to show you. I'm going to do this now, actually. So, Ian and Anne, can you come up? <laughs> Anne's one of the only few survivors that went through both wars. So, come forward, Anne. No, come on. So, Ian and Anne, if you both come up. It's a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> okay, I want to I wanna, so just come and stand here together. I'll move the lectern for you. So just, just the two together. Yeah, go up the steps. That's right, you're older now. Okay, maybe just stand about, stand here a bit, stand here together, and you stand like you look like you're, like you're really happily married. Okay, all right. Okay, okay. Um, so Ian and Anne, okay, Ian and Anne um, came to the Lord in your 30s as well, wasn't it? Yeah, okay. And, and um, Anne's already shared a testimony earlier this year, and she said that she'd been in and out of relationships, she'd been rejected by people, you've heard that story, yeah? So she went through some really tough times, and she met Ian. She told us this story not that long ago. Okay, at the same time, Ian was, like, really cool, and a uh, band, like, he was, like, this guy that was running in the band, but at the same time, he was just struggling with alcohol. Yeah? Is that right? Is that fair? To, am I saying the right? If, tell me if I'm saying anything wrong. So in the midst of you guys being together, there's still a bit of chaos in that situation, yeah, no Jesus, no Jesus, so it's definitely chaos, but, but also other things going on that maybe even Anne wasn't even aware of at the time, and that is how it starts. Now, Rob and Claire, can you come up, please? Yeah, I know, sorry. Uh. Okay, come on. It's always my wife that's just always against anything. She needs prayer. Okay, so one of you stand one side, one stand next to your favorite parent. Okay, yeah, okay, cool. All right, okay. Um, why are you both... <laughs> Okay, right, and um, yeah, yeah, all right, okay, that's nice, that's nice, that's nice, it's still, it is your favorite, anyway, okay, so, um, so, so Rob and Clara here, so Ian and Anne, in the midst of chaos, yeah, in the crazy, find Jesus, Anne finds him first, and she'll let you know that for the rest, let you know that for the rest of her life, won't she, but you'll let her know that you were baptized first for the rest of your life, won't you, so, it's cool, it all works fair, it's balance, God likes balance in marriage, okay, so, so in the midst of crazy, you guys find Jesus. When were you born? 55. 1955 in April somewhere. I'm sorry, I should know. When were you born? December 51. 1951. So 51, toy boy, 55. Okay, all right, okay. So 19, 1955, 1951, is that right? Have I got that right? Yeah? No, the other way around. 1955, 1955, yeah, okay. Right, so in the 50s, wow, that was a long time ago. Okay, in the 50s, these guys were born. They were born, they, 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 they were born into, into different homes, very different backgrounds, um, and um, neither one of them really being pointed towards Jesus their whole life. Maybe a few grandparents and people that are praying, but, but never really having an upbringing to bring them to Jesus. Anne finds Jesus through her hairdresser. Praise God for people that tell people about Jesus, yeah? Ian then comes through um, Anne coming to the Lord and he's just like checking it out and saying what's going on okay you come to the Lord you then Rob is born by the time you guys get married is that right no what no no that's right no no sorry yeah no, that's what I was saying that's right Rob was so Rob was born after you got married yeah so before you got married yeah that's what I said yeah so Rob was born before they got married oh judge them okay 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 it's all right they didn't know Jesus they didn't know Jesus okay it's okay right okay anyway so so yeah 
And then Claire comes along a little bit later. Okay, there she is over there being quiet. That's literally what she did for the whole 18 years. That's what Anne says. She just sat there and was quiet the whole time. She was no bother. Bet Rob loves that. Oh yeah, she was no bother. You were a nightmare, apparently. That's the stories that get told, all the parties. Claire was this angel, Rob wasn't. Okay, so. Yeah, active child, anyway. No, no, he hasn't, no. So, so anyway, these guys come to, they, they get there, they're born. They give their life to Jesus. They have children. You came before, Rob came before, well, it's not a competition. Okay, pray for him. So, yeah, so, okay, Rob comes to the Lord through Anne, then Ian comes and then Claire joins in a bit later on. Okay, but this family, because you guys are young enough, are then brought up in Jesus. Yeah, they're brought up in Jesus. They're, they're, they, they grow together in the Lord. But 1951, 1955 is where you guys were started. Now, that was chaos. It didn't look right. There was abuse maybe that went on in, in the home or whatever, thing, different things that can go on or in life. Or maybe you were bullied or maybe you didn't have the right things that came your way. All these different things that can happen that, that we can end up running from God. We can end up running from our mistakes. We can end up being born into stuff like that. Okay, then, uh, Daisy, you can come up and stand next to Rob, okay? All right. I'll come and stand next to Claire. All right. Now think about this. This is what I was thinking about when I was preparing a message. This is going to go on until 2 o'clock. Okay, so I was thinking about this when I was preparing a message. Okay, now I already had my own faith, but these two were praying for somebody that would know Jesus for, for their daughter. Yeah? That their daughter would grow up to, to find a man that knew Jesus, okay? That loved Jesus, okay? And Claire was praying for that too, desperately. You know, praying for... And then you got me instead, didn't you? But, um, but basically, these guys were praying. These guys were praying because, because, remember, they came to Jesus a bit further on in life. It looked like it shouldn't happen. They should, they, we're, so now I'm here. Claire's here. Rob's here. We're all here. Daisy's here. All against the odds now. Because you guys should never have made it anyway. Yeah, you could have stayed in one of those relationships. You could have died from alcoholism. Yeah? Like, you know, like this, this is the reality, isn't it? That's what life says. If Jesus doesn't come in... We're here against the odds, and the odds aren't in our favor. Okay, so then Claire's here, okay, and I thought about this, and I thought, wow, because, because of their prayers for their daughter, I'm here. As in, I'm here right now in this church. I mean, you guys might give me some plaudits because I'm the loudest one here with the microphone, yeah? But what I'm saying is, like, I'm actually here because they prayed. So all the things that God is doing in this church and some of the things are doing because of obedience of some people, yes. But actually, I wouldn't even be here if they weren't praying. I wouldn't be here if they were... Now, now I want you to do something now. This is, this is, this is, this is going to... You might want a tissue. I haven't got any. Has anyone got some tissues? Okay, get some tissues to, to Anne. Not to me. I don't need them. Okay, so... Um, thanks. Well, no, the whole box. You'll need the whole box. Okay, so... Now, if you are connected, either people in this, anyone here has led you to Jesus, or you feel like you're going on with God because of people here, come and join. You don't have to touch them or go anywhere near the actual person. Just come and join the group now. So just get up and move here now. Anyone. Now, if someone comes up now and they're connected to you, then you come up then. Does that make sense? Yeah? So if someone else comes up here and you're like, oh, I'm here because of them, that you come. That's it. Just come. If you feel like you're going on with Jesus, it doesn't have to be that you're saved. It could be that you're just loving Christ because of people here. That's it. Keep coming. Keep coming. It's okay. It's okay. Maybe it's just because of the way the church is running because the church isn't running if these two don't pray. 
Do you see? In 1955 and 1951, born into, against all the odds, things started to change. Something happened. God was starting to write things in place. Do you see what God is doing through you? Do you see what God is doing through you? Look. Look, you're, you're, you see, God is, God is moving. God is moving in this. And this isn't even all our church. Everyone's on holiday. But, but the reality of it is, look what God is doing through you. Against the odds. Now, if God can use an ex-alcoholic and a, a person that's been divorced 75 times <laughs> to do this, to do this, because this is what God is doing. This is what God is Look at it. It's against the odds. Who are you to say you can't? Who are you to say God can't do it through you? Who are you to say God can't use me? If God can do this, through these guys, and then I can add myself to it, and Claire, and everyone, and then you guys become part of that, because people like Karina's not long been saved, but there are people here that know Jesus because Karina's told them about Jesus. Do you see what God can do? Do you see what God can do? Don't say no to God, and don't let whatever your starting point was, is, be the definitive thing that says I can't. You can all go back to your seats. Amen. Amen. Go on, yeah. When I, when I came to this church, I didn't realize, but um, I, I knew from a young age, actually, that my grandparents had been praying for me in particular, and um, they lived in the fish ponds area. That's all I knew. And after about 10 years of coming to this church, I discovered that my gran actually came here to this church. So, so it goes back, it goes back to your family. You don't realize my grandparents were praying that I come to the Lord. And I got a book at home that they gave me. Um, that actually got it written in the front when they gave it to me when I was, I was probably 10 or something like that. About... Ian, read this book, Get to Know Jesus. And uh, so it, we don't know how God's worked in the chain, do we? So that's from my grandparents. Amazing, isn't it? Amen. So Ian and Anne were born at some point, and we already know some of their testimony that actually they're even here against the odds. Without Jesus, they may not even be here right now, okay? But because they are, because Jesus came in, and because even though they made mistakes, even though they didn't always walk the way that they should, when God called them, when God says, will you go? They said, yes, we're all here. You have got the greatest thing you can ever have in your life, Jesus Christ, because someone said yes to God that was against the odds. So if God can use them to... Why can't he use you? And they'll be the first to say it. Ian says it all the time. If God can use me, he can use anyone. So if God can do it through people that have suffered through addiction and through rejection and, 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 and abuse, and they can still come through it and then run in their mistakes, hide in the wilderness. But God says, Anne, Ian, will you go? Will you go? And they say, okay. Okay, I'm going to get into some of the excuses we can come up with in a minute. But look what God can do. This is how the church grows. 
It's against the odds. We're all here against the odds. But it's also, we can do so much more. We can do so much more for the Lord if we stop allowing the starting points in our lives to be the definitive point, to be the thing that says, I can't. That says, how could God possibly use me? I'm from a council estate. How can you use me? I didn't even do my GCSEs. I didn't even finish my GCSEs. How could he use me? You know, I can't even speak properly. How could he use me? I don't, I don't even know the Bible properly. How could he use me? Like all these excuses that we come up with. I can never be like those people there. I can never do these kind of things. That whatever those starting points are, they've got to go. Okay, I'm a bit out of breath. Okay. This is all about how and where you see your starting point. The only reason anyone here will not see the hope and the future that Jesus has for you is if you keep making excuses and you keep following through with those excuses. You can't, you're going to face God, I'm going to face God, and we can't face God with, I would have, but. God says, I gave you everything you needed to do it. I gave you all the tools to overcome. Don't tell me you couldn't, you just, you just wouldn't. You decided that, the, 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 that, that whatever it was, was bigger or greater than me. The reason for this word today, I've had a few weeks off to think about it, is because I really believe that God wants you to know that you can be used by him to do great things. That God can do amazing things through your life. I don't know what they are, but I want you to know that God can do it. God can do it. If God can take Moses and he can take somebody that was born against the odds into violence and he was fostered by a pretty abusive guy, okay, and he can still bring him through that and then end up running away because of some terrible mistakes he made and still be used by God, then God can certainly use you. We need to start shifting about where we see our starting point. You see, if you keep making the excuses, you're not going to see the promises. And this is what Moses did. I'm just going to go through these really quickly. So God called Moses as we read. And Moses says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should be, bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? That's our biggest excuse. Who am I? I'm not worthy of anything. I'm not good enough. I, but God has called you. That already makes you worthy. If God says go... You're like, yeah, but what qualifies me? God's like, me, I qualify you, yeah? Like, you don't need the credentials, you don't need a certificate, you don't need to suddenly have, like, if I'm saying go, it's because I'm going to give you all the tools you need, all the equipment you need on the journey. But this is what we do. Oh, I couldn't, I couldn't, oh, not me. You sure? Then verse 13, Moses says, indeed, because God gives him an answer. And then he says, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, God, the Father sent me. And they say to me, what is his name? And what shall I say to them? This is Moses saying, yeah, but I don't know who you are either. I, I, couldn't, I can't talk about um, Jesus because I don't know the Bible enough. Well, start reading it. And if you can't read, start listening to it. Because that's, starting to, that's a new thing now, yeah? I mean, I say it's a new thing. It's been around for a very long time. But you can listen to the word now. So you could, there's no excuse for you not to receive and learn or understand the word of God. Oh, I would, but I can't read the thing. Well, it's cool. It's cool. Moses says he struggled with speaking, which is one of the excuses he comes up with in a minute. Didn't stop him from doing the things that God called him to do. Then Moses said to the Lord, um, then Moses answered and said, but suppose... 
they will not believe me or listen to my voice, suppose they say, Lord has not appeared to you. That's fear. I used to be terrified about praying for people that were sick. Because I was like, God, if you don't heal them, what will happen? And God says, nothing. And I said, but I want something to happen. He says, yes, but if it's not their time, what's changed for them? Nothing. You pray for them, they feel more loved. They feel like they're someone that cares. But their situation hasn't changed. They're the same as when they came up to you. Nothing has happened. It's okay. But if you're obedient to me, and it is their time, everything could happen. And when I started realizing that, I started to realize, oh, wow. What happens if God doesn't? What happens if he won't? What happens if it's what Moses was saying? Well, what happens if I get there and it doesn't work out? And what happens if they don't know? God's like, you go there. I'll give you the words to speak. You go there, and you pray for the sick, because that's what he tells us to do. You do what I tell you to do. The rest of it is up to me. And as I started to learn that, I could get rid of that excuse. Once you learn that you can't make certain excuses, then you're like, I can't even make that excuse anymore. If you see someone needs prayer for healing, you've got to go pray. Verse 10, then Moses said, oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. I mean, look at that. Oh, Lord, I, have, I can't speak the way that others speak. And it hasn't changed in the 10 minutes we've had the conversation either. We're like that with God too. Do you know that? Like, God, you haven't, I'm praying, you're praying. I'm like, Lord, I change me. Nope, nothing. Okay, right. I'm not, it's obviously clearly it's not what you want. God's like, you spent five minutes in my presence. You spend a lifetime in my presence, I'll change you. Spend every day with me, surrendered. I'll do the work. Moses was looking for instant results. God says, I'll do it on the way. We'll do it on the journey. Verse 13, he says, oh my Lord, just send by the hand of whomever else you may send. Do you know what? I'm pretty sure Lara last week, when it started to get a little bit squeaky bum time, when she was about to preach, was probably like, God, please come back now. This is a good time for you to return. Or send someone else. Let the Holy Spirit fall. You know, I've been there so many times where sometimes I'm like, God, this is where I need you to do something else because I don't want to do the thing that you've asked me to do. This is what Moses does. Just send someone else. Uh, is there anything else? Is there anyone else? We pray hard for the second coming. Oh, Lord, now, please. But it's in those moments of faith when we step out in obedience that God does some of the most incredible things, doesn't he? Starting point. Perhaps it's your start to life what you were born into. Maybe that's where you look to and you go, I would do better, but look where I started. It's just, I've been told my whole life that because that's how it started, that's how it will be. Perhaps your starting point is where your mistakes are. You've made mistakes, you've done things in your life that you're not proud of, or you've done horrific things, terrible things, things that, that you just can't even forgive yourself for, and you think, well, if, God, if I can't forgive myself, how can God possibly forgive? And if, and if that's the case, then how could he possibly even want to use somebody like me? Well, I've given you a really good story of someone that God did amazing things through that didn't deserve it, but God still blessed them. Or perhaps the starting point is the limitations that we put on ourselves. So maybe it's not to do with our past. It's not to do with our mistakes, but it's to do with like how we see ourselves. 
that's our starting point. So when God says, will you go for me? Will you do this? Will you let me use you? You go, oh, no, not me. Find someone else. I've got issues. I've got problems. Even if you overcome all the other hurdles, this then becomes the reason why. This is where the starting point is. God is saying to everyone in this room, your starting point is a problem because it's restricting what you can do in your life, what words you can speak into other people's lives, what actions you can take to bring life into darkness. It is your starting point that's restricting you. Can we stand? Okay, the starting point. Everyone point at me. I'll point at you back. It's the starting point. Now, where are you pointing? Now, if you're restricted by how you were born, I want you to point to the, let me get this right. We should go that way. Point to the left, that's your past. So if you're restricted by how your past, point to the left. If you're restricted by the uh, limitations that you put on yourself, point to you. And if you're restricted, like the excuses of the fears that you have that effectively are the things you fear in the future, so you're scared of what God is going to do or could do, so you're so terrified that you're like, I can't do it, you point to the right, that's your future. So future, some people are like, Okay, so if it's your past that's defining it, your mistakes and your and your um, and your uh, how you were born and where you started, point to the left. If it's fear of your future, point to your right. And if it's restrictions and limitations that you are pouring, put point uh, putting on yourself, point to you. Okay, now listen to this. This is this is a little bit later on in the story. Then Moses said to Moses, "Stretch out your hand." Keep pointing wherever you need to point. Stretch out your hand over the sea that the waters may come back over upon the Egyptians, on the chariots, on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea and the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the army of the Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained. But the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptian. Moses was used by God despite how he started, despite the mistakes he made, and despite the fear of the future that he had. God used him to lead Israel out of slavery and also see the enemy defeated. But look at where his hand was. He wasn't pointing back, he wasn't pointing forward, and he wasn't pointing at himself. It says in some translations that he raised his hand. This word for stretched out, it means to turn, and it means to bend. It means to turn away from the way that we think and bend towards the way God thinks. Turn away from the past 
turn away from fear of the future and turn away from the mistakes that we hold on to. He raised his hands and he stretched them out. Where are you pointing right now? Yeah? How are you pointing? Are you thinking, nah, it's still my past, it's still my future, it's still me? Because the problem is, is where you're pointing. It's your starting point. Where are you pointing? If it's, oh, it's, I would be better, but it's my past. Oh, I would be better, but I still, I'm scared of the future. I would be better, but I've got so many reasons why God can't use me. That's the problem. You're pointing at you, you're pointing at the past, and you're pointing at something that doesn't even exist yet. But God is saying you need to raise your hands, you need to stretch your hands, and you need to turn the way that you think bit like Lara said last week that on one side of the boat, nothing happened. But when they turned to the other side of the boat, God's blessing was there. It's a, it's a choice to bend to God's way of thinking. If you choose to bend to, God's, um, bend to God's way of thinking, then suddenly you're not allowing your past to define you, fear of the future to define you, or your mistakes to define you. You are stretching your hands out over the water that's going to bring your, uh, the people that God is using you to bring through it. And he's also going to use that same war to defeat the enemy and to defeat the past and fear of the future. And all of your mistakes is going to fall in the water. Just like Gemma got to experience in the baptism pool today. This is what God does. So you're willing to stretch your hands out to the Lord or are you still pointing somewhere else? If you're still pointing somewhere else, maybe just start praying to God. Lord, help me to put my hands out to you. I want to put my hands up. I want to point up. I want to point to you. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my Savior. I don't want how I was born to define me anymore. I don't want that to be an excuse. I want you to know, church, there is no one in this church, particularly me, that's going to look at you and say, you were born on a council estate? You're 70 years old? God can't use you. That's exactly the people God uses. Don't let the enemy get you pointing to the wrong places as a reason of why you can't be the person that God has called you to be. Because God is looking for an army and he's looking for a people that he can rise up and raise up. And he says, I'm looking for people because everyone out there is going to hell. Everyone out there doesn't know Jesus. He does, they don't know me. And you need to be the light in the dark. But you're pointing at all of your excuses of why you can't do it because you're not putting your hands in the right place point up church point up stretch out your hands to the lord and say lord and what look at what you're doing what do your hands look like they look like people worshiping god this is what we do this is what we do when we worship god when we raise our hands to the lord and we say to god i'm not pointing i'm not using excuses I'm just putting my hands out, stretching my hands out to you, Lord. Suddenly the problem becomes smaller and our God becomes greater. God defeats giants. God splits seas. God smashes down walls. God breaks chains of addiction. God sets people's minds free. This is what our God does, but he can only do it if we're willing to stretch our hands out to him and make him the center of our lives. So Father, I pray for everyone right now, even if their arms are tired, stretching out their hands. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that this isn't just an emotional moment, that Lord, people are 
definitively making a decision to not allow their past, fear of the future, their mistakes and their excuses stop them from being the people that you are calling them to be. Because if God can use Ian and he can use Anne, if he can use people that have a past and people that should maybe not even be alive right now to do all this in this place right now, what could God do with you, church, if you're willing to stretch your hands out to him instead of pointing to all the other wrong places that restrict you in allowing him to use you? The only person stopping you is you. It's not the enemy. It's not God. Is you because God's saying will you go will you go can I use your voice can I use your hands can I use your feet he's asking you the question and all you've got to say is yes Lord here I am send me so father I pray over every single brother and sister right now people watching online as well Lord will you fill them with your anointing right now that they would rise up to become the army that you're calling to be, the soldier within the army that you're calling them to be, that they would be a light in the dark, that they would be a light in the darkness, God. And that, Lord, that which the enemy thought that he had, which was their past, their mistakes, and the fear of what is to come, Lord, is now gone in Jesus' name. And their hands are up towards you, Jesus, because that's all they need to do to overcome, is be worshipful people with their hands raised to heaven, knowing that you will crash down waters on the enemy and make a way through when we need you to. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. You put your arms down now. I'm sure they're getting a bit tired. Thank you, Jesus. Now, if you're here right now, and you haven't made that decision to want to follow Jesus, you haven't received Jesus into your life and you want to receive Jesus into your life, maybe what you just did is part of that. Maybe it's saying, I want to follow him. I don't want to point there that way, that way. I don't want to point at me. I don't want to do the things I was doing. Well, I want to pray a very simple prayer with you right now. The church is going to join in. But if you want to receive Jesus into your life, if you want to start a journey with Jesus, maybe you've come with someone, you've seen the changes in them. Maybe you just know, maybe you haven't been walking with God the way you should and you know that it's time to start giving your life to him. Will you pray this prayer with us? Everyone, I, everyone's eyes shut. I'm just going to pray and just give you the opportunity to come and give your life to Jesus. Um, I'll pray and then just repeat. Father God, please forgive me for ignoring you and doing things my way. I choose today to turn, you can say that, to turn from my old way of living and I now want to live a life following your Bible. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me on the cross and defeating death that I could have eternal life. I call on your name and ask, please come into my life that I will never be, um, that I will be saved. And Holy Spirit, I ask, will you come in and fill me? That will never be the same again. Thank you, Jesus. If you just pray that prayer for the first time, or maybe you know that you're recommitting your life to Jesus, um, I want you to do something with your pointing. I just want you to point up right now. Just say, I prayed that prayer. Just be really brave and just say, that was me. I point up. Amen. 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 
Amen. Can we have just a welcome team? Just come and give them a Bible. Just keep your hand in the air and somebody will come. Amen. Yeah, just keep it in the air. Amen. Where's our steward and team? Okay. Could we, um, yeah, just come and bring Claire. Can you just grab? Okay. Brilliant. Okay, we've got. Just keep your hand there and someone bring it. Lynn, there's a lady just here as well. Thank you. Chap at the back. Amen. Praise God for new life this morning. Amen. Amen. There's Ellie at the back there as well. Ellie's just recommitting her life. Amen.